0: They asked who's the better director, Martin Scorsese and Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan won eighty to twenty. Wow, really? Yeah, and, it, and but that's really because you know Nolan's the more recent director, and a lot of people, especially younger audiences, they they haven't watched Scorsese's films earlier, especially his early films outside of the gangster movies or maybe Taxi Driver, and so they haven't seen a movie like The Color of Money to see like how much range he had as as a director and how he can really do anything from romance to a billiards movie and still maintain his power as a director and visual artist. What are the most underrated movies of all time? That's a question we'll be asking ourselves today in this episode of Raiders of the Lost podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Now, we put together a list of the 50 most underrated films, in our opinion. Now it's very this, subjective. Now, these are films that either have too low of a rating with, uh, with critics and audiences, or they just aren't talked about in the cultural zeitgeist, especially in the film zeitgeist. So they're films that are great, but like... You never see them talked about it online. They don't have that many ratings on Letterboxd. Why doesn't anyone talk about these movies? Nobody talks about them. <laughs> so we're going to talk about them. <laughs> I'm actually very happy with this list. There's some movies that we hope maybe you haven't heard of and maybe you'll watch after listening to this episode. And then there's some movies that I'm sure you've heard of and you're like, you're probably going to be like, "You know what? That is an underrated." Let's let's go. Let's go. And we try to hit every genre, almost every time period. We have rel- recent movies, we have movies from the 70s, movies from the 80s, we have science fiction, we have horror, we have action. A little bit of everything on here, just to kind of... Got some Tom Cruise? Yeah, we got some Tom Cruise (laughs) on here. Don't you worry, we got Tommy Boy on here. (laughs) But we also posed a question on Instagram and Twitter, which maybe about halfway through. We'll read the answers to what you all thought were the most underrated movies of all time. I can't wait to hear that. Me neither, it's going to be terrific. Now, do you want to get this kicked off with uh, the first one on our list? I would love to start off our 50 most underrated movies of all time. And this, the list isn't in order of quality, this is just a list of, it's kind of randomized. And also, if you want to listen ad free to this episode, all you gotta do is sign up for Patreon at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Minimum $5 tier. Anthony, what is the number one movie on our most underrated films of all time list? Now we're going to kick this off with a Ryan Gosling film. The Place Beyond the Pines from Derek Chan. France, this is one of my favorite crime films of the century. It's incredible. There's really nothing like it. And it doesn't really get the love it deserves. I think it's an all-time crime film. If I was going to make a list of, like, top ten, top 5, top ten crime films that don't involve the mafia, I would put this on the list, absolutely. And Gosling's incredible. Ben Mendelssohn's great. Dane Dehan. Uh, Mahershala Ali, Eva Mendez, just an incredible cast and it's a fascinating story, Bradley Cooper, about this like triptych kind of storytelling of basically three chapters in this life, uh, in the family life, essentially, and I just think it's really incredible. I always go back to The Godfather when I think about this movie, when I watch it, obviously the scope is way smaller, but we have a crime epic that spans generations, so we have these two men who coincidentally meet on an armed robbery because ryan gosling plays a thief and bradley cooper plays the cop that takes him down basically but it doesn't end there the rest of the story is first it starts off as gosling's story but then it turns into bradley cooper's story and then their son's story as their sons coincidentally meet as in high school yeah and it kind of follows their story and their trajectory and how it connects to their father's past, and it's really well-written, so well-directed, and I adore this film, and we've quoted it a bunch, and some of my favorite heist scenes ever with Gosling on the dirt bike. The dirt bike is great. It's a really clever way to yeah. rob a bank. So the there's a bunch of great long takes. Uh, there's a, so first of all, there's great chases. So the the bank robbery chase, the first one, where it gets away and Gosling trained, for real, for these for these driving stunts. He robbed stunts. five real banks. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get a sense for the character. But, like, he's evading the police, then he goes into the truck, Mendelsohn throws the, the door down. That's an incredible chase. The cemetery chase is fantastic, with one of those cops chasing Gosling through the cemetery. And then, this movie has one of my favorite um, long-take wonders of recent memory, and it's Gosling at the carnival. Opens with him in his little trailer, playing with a knife. Then he gets called out. So he gets, puts a jacket on, walks through the carnival, gets on his dirt bike, and then he goes with the other t- two dirt bikers through that orb that they're riding around. That's all one take, and it's just a phenomenal oneer. Between Drive and this. These two movies maybe made Gosling the coolest actor in Hollywood today, possibly. I agree, I agree. Because the the character design of both of them, obviously Driver kind of created a Halloween costume for film bros out there, but then the the design for his character in Place Beyond the Pines and the character in general is just beyond cool. Very similar to, like, a Paul Newman-esque character from the past. I do think that his, the bleach blonde hair, the tattoos, the messed up clothes, the paint cover clothes, it really inspired fashion for a few years, for sure. And then everyone's obviously waiting for us to go... but the b- in the best! You- in the air! In the air! <laughs> 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 we love this movie. Place Beyond the Pines is epic, and that's why we put it number one on our personal list of 50 most underrated movies. Let's move on to number two, and this is a Tom Cruise movie. Oh, yeah. And we have it underrated because we think it's just underappreciated for how good it is in the science fiction genre and in the Action genre, And of course, we are talking about Edge of Tomorrow, which is essentially a Groundhog Day type of film where a character is reliving the same day over and over again. This is based off a manga, and also, it's just so goddamn cool and epic, directed by Doug Liman, where there's an alien invasion. These mimics, who we discover can reset the day, which is why they are so efficient at conquering planets and conquering worlds, and their current conquest is... Earth. earth and Tom Cruise plays basically a political military uh, employee who kind of just runs the politics a behind PR the scenes. Guy. Yeah, a PR guy for the military. Yeah. He actually and then he eventually gets put on the front lines in war as a Marine and he dies, but he gains the powers of these mimics, these aliens. And he's able to now reset the day and becomes the only hope for humanity. It's so well made. The yeah. action is so unique. Never seen anything quite like it. I love the character design of just the suits, the exosuits, as well as the aliens. I adore Edge of Tomorrow. In, in terms of Groundhog Day movies, even though Groundhog Day was the first one, this is my favorite Groundhog Day movie. Same. Ironically. Yeah, <laughs> But then I put Groundhog Day second, and it's fun seeing... Tom play a coward, because it plays so against type for his entire career, and he did it really well. And then Emily Blunt is absolutely fantastic in this film. It's one of my favorite action movies, one of my favorite science fiction movies of the last 20 years. It's really, without a doubt, endlessly f- entertaining, super rewatchable, just a flat-out phenomenal sci-fi film. Yeah, I think that's the best word for it, rewatchable. It's so rewatchable. It really it's so is. Good. I, I, hope, I really hope they make a sequel. And it has a great ending. It does. Great ending. It does. All right. Move into the next it's one. that his character at the end of Edge of Tomorrow, it's so similar to Pete Mitchell in Ma- Top Gun Maverick, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like the smile and everything. But the it, the start of the character is so it's, different yeah. from Mitchell. All right, let's move into the third film on our list, and it's got two heavy-hitter actors. we got Matt Damon and Edward Norton. Maybe you all can guess this movie. It's the best poker movie ever made. Rounders. Now, there are other movies about poker and card playing made, but they're not really... As poker-centric as this one is, and it's really incredible. It capitalized on the peak interest of Texas Hold'em in our culture in the late '90s and early 2000s. It was really popular. People were watching the the World, World Series, Series of, of poker, poker on ESPN <laughs> every year. It was... ESPN ate the Ocho. <laughs> the Ocho. <laughs> it was such a popular sport and this film sport <laughs> it's a sport yeah, yeah it's not a sport <laughs> what, what you would thought, you call it a game a game yeah but it's not hey. a fucking Anthony, yeah, there's no it's not a sport it was just audio spn they just had the right <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you high no they're running on treadmills the whole time <laughs> are, are poker players athletes anthony well, is pool sport i uh, yeah like, is it considered a sport yeah. billiards considered a sport yeah I mean, that's actually a physical thing, though. Uh, what's not physical about poker? You're literally the same physicality of it's it's mental. Picking, picking it, up a cup of coffee, dude, hold the control of your composure is super physical. I wouldn't consider billiards or pool a sport. Okay, well, I I think billiards is a sport, but this is we're talking about poker. Okay, it's probably not a sport. <laughs> Poker's not a sport. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie's so good. Matt Damon is phenomenal. Edward Norton is amazing as his friend, who's just always in trouble, Warma. always owes always owes someone money. And his name's a worm, by the way. Yeah, his name's worm. <laughs> <laughs> and it capitalized on Matt Damon's incredible charisma and charm to the full, to the tenfold. It's just like he's so effortlessly effortlessly cool on screen in this film. I adore the movie. It's it's also a great crime movie. And then John Malkovich plays a really great villain. And we had the rise of Matt Damon in the early late late nineties, early two hey, thousands. one that name's movies money. where like it was like this. Born supreme, born identity. And then what was the F- Francis Ford Coppola movie he did? Well, in- that was the Rainmaker. That was actually before Good Will Hunting. Well, the same year, nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah. So it came out before Good Will Hunting. Mm-hmm. Okay, but still like the rise of Matt Damon because Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan. One. So we had the trajectory of obviously Matt Ben when the Oscar Ben goes One Direction, Matt goes the strides in. I thought. But Matt Damon was more of a stride, but he's really rocking the shit in this movie right now. <laughs> ben became the tabloid guy, leading all these mediocre, big blockbuster films. And Matt kind of made these smaller budget independent films because he made that deal. Was it with Miramax? They both said, well, well, when they signed Good Will Hunting, they made a deal with Miramax to actually write three films. But then that never happened. But then but Matt signed a deal, I think it was with Miramax or Weinstein Company to make, to act in five movies. And, maybe, yeah. And he maybe. made a bunch of those because a lot of those movies were produced by the Weinstein Company. Back then. But Rounders, you're right, is probably the best poker movie of all time. Let's move into an A24 film, a horror film from them, which came out all the way back in 2015 when they were really just turning that engine on and kicking out some really great ideas. Before it was really a brand, too. Exactly. And we have Green Room, which is an excellent horror film led by Anton Yelchin and Imogen Poots, as well as a great supporting role from. Patrick Stewart. This was directed by Jeremy Saulnier, and it's about this little independent rock band that's on this very small van tour, basically playing these small bars, and they play a venue that turns out to be the hangout and kind of the headquarters of a fascist neo-Nazi gang, and they get trapped in the the green room after playing a very anti-Nazi song.
1: And, and witnessing
0: a murder. And witnessing a murder, that's right, that's the, the really yeah. important part. Yeah. They, they piss everyone off with their music, Yeah. then they witness a murder, <laughs> they're trapped in the green room, which is the, the back room of before a comedian or a musician or whatever goes on stage, and they have to basically fight their way out while all these neo-Nazis want to kill them. It's so good, great gore, great action, and excellent acting. It's so shocking, and it's one of those great one-location movies that's so rare to pull off, but they really do. Patrick Stewart was so surprising in this role. As the leader of the crew, and he's just dynamic. But Yelchin, rest in peace. He was a really great actor, and he would he would have been huge in Hollywood by now. Well, he already was. Yeah, but he, he was, was but he was rising, and he was he was like so talented. Um, Imogen Poots is great. The other supporting actors are really good. There's a bunch of people you'd recognize and seen a lot nowadays. But Joel Cole from Peaky Blinders, yes, yes, he's great. It's just a, a really incredible movie. It's scary. It's shocking. It's gory. It's bloody, and it just is, you, it's unpredictable, too, which is really important for a horror film to be unpredictable and absolutely is. I, I love know, it. You're excited to talk about number five. Speaking of sports and pool. Speaking of billiards, now we have another Tom Cruise movie. I know it's two of two the top five, but this isn't ranked. It was just like, you know, I had to put it up early because I love talking about it. It's a it. Scorsese movie. This is Martin Scorsese's The Color of Money, which is a sequel to The Hustler starring Paul Newman. Paul Newman also reprises his role in this film, bringing up... The young protege Vincent played by Tom Cruise. this movie is a perfect sequel and in my opinion it's one of it's one of the greatest sequels ever made. It could be the possibly the greatest sequel ever made. Godfather Two is coming at you bro. Godfather Two Dark Knight, this one, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies obviously, but this deserves to be in that conversation. It's that good of a movie and unfortunately, you know for Scorsese movies, this is very much untalked about. It's not well seen, especially by younger audiences. But make no mistake, it really is exceptional. And I, I like how After Hours has gotten a lot of love recently. Yeah, out of nowhere. I see it it's a lot. It's been great. But I also think that The Color of Money deserves that too. And a lot of people... You know, I saw this poll on a big Instagram movie account. They asked who's the better director, Martin Scorsese and Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan won 80 to 20. Wow, really? Yeah, and, it, and but that's really because, you know, Nolan's the more recent director. And a lot of people... Especially younger audiences, they, they haven't watched Scorsese's films, early, especially his early films outside of the gangster movies or maybe Taxi Driver. And so they haven't seen a movie like The Color of Money to see like how much range he had as, as a director and how he can really do anything from romance to a billiards movie and still maintain his power as a director and visual artist. And this film is so expertly crafted, so well-directed, visually dynamic for being a movie about pool and then to see a young up-and-coming Tom Cruise really showcasing his true star magnetism opposite one of the biggest movie stars ever, it's just an incredible movie to behold. And in terms of legacy sequels... It's the best. And you, yeah, it's up there. You don't have to watch The Hustler to, I mean, yeah, you don't have to exactly. see The Hustler to enjoy it, understand the color of money as well. Not everyone is up, is up for watching The Hustler. It's a very slow film from 1960. 60. Six, 1960. Yeah. Black and white. So it's very slow paced for that era. It's normal. But for today's audiences, they might not be able to sit through it entirely. Color of money, fast paced, entertainment, energy is there. And Fast Eddie is an incredible character played by Paul Newman, and what Scorsese does creatively to make Pool insanely dynamic and exciting for cinema is really shocking. And I watched it for the first time last year, per your recommendation over the course of the last, like, five years. Finally <laughs> watched it, and I texted Anthony immediately, five out of five. This movie's so damn good. I can't recommend The Color of Money enough. I have the poster in my room. That's how much I love it. And Anthony... Hugs it every night. Before <laughs> yeah, I hug the, my body hugs the wall. I think you're gonna say something else before <laughs> I, you change it to well, hug. What do you mean? Well, you do have it on your ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's my blanket. <laughs> <laughs> but also, Paul Newman won his much-deserved Oscar for this film. Excellent third act, incredible ending to. Uh, and man, I love it. It's a legacy sequel. So, in terms of legacy sequels, I can't think of one that's better. It's up there. I mean, Topic of Maverick's a great legacy sequel as well. That's true. Two top movies. I know, right? Jeez, He knows how to do the legacy sequels, man. Maybe he looked at Color of Money as like... Oh, they definitely (laughs) did. Next up, number six on our most underrated movies of all time list, we have another science fiction film. This one called Moon, starring Sam Rockwell, written and directed by Duncan Jones, a.k.a. the son of Sir David Bowie. David Bowie is Sir? Yeah, Sir David Bowie. Moon is an excellent film and really put Sam Rockwell on the map in terms of being a leading man. In my opinion, he was in a bunch of independent films, and this is an independent film. But this one really got him well known, I think, in the film community. And it's an excellent sci-fi film. He plays a ca- he plays a man who lives on the moon for basically making sure the functioning of moon mining is going fine. He's he's there. He's the only human there to basically keep an eye on all the equipment for this company that's mining resources on the moon and things start to happen where and go uh ari when a doppelganger who looks just like him shows up at the station he's working at at the same time of him starting to become incredibly ill and a great mystery unfolds i don't want to spoil yeah. the film at all but it's, for when it comes to doppelganger look-alike movies and in sci-fi in general, this century, it's one of my favorites. Sam Rockwell carries his movies in every single scene. He's the, really the only character we see for 98% of the film in terms of being a human. It's 97% of the film. And for a, a, a performance like this, he didn't get any critical recognition at all, which was shocking. The guy should have gotten at least a nomination for... Golden Globe, Oscar, Baptist for this role. He's really sensational. But this this movie opened our eyes to Sam Rockwell back in, what, 2008? 2000, when it came Something out? Something like 2007. When, when Man, did Moon come out? 2009. Moon movie. Moon 2009, movie. 2009, yeah. yeah. Yes, I did it. Excellent poster as well, too. Excellent poster. Excellent. Excellent scheme. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right, next up, <laughs> we have... Sorry about Cortada. Who about Cortana? <laughs> what <laughs> took you, <laughs> you didn't say? <laughs> Moving on to not only one of the most underrated films of all time, but the most untalked about directorial debut of all time from the great Michael Mann, his film Thief, starring James Caan. It is incredible. It's visually stunning. You could see his really his precision as a director and his style as a director in this film. It is so cool, it's so badass. And I, I every time I watch this movie I'm like I can't believe this is his first movie. It that's how good it is. The opening scene alone. I know it's un- unbelievable. It is it could be like the best like robber movie in terms of someone breaking in, r- robbing safes, whatever. Heist. Heist because there is it really isn't a cop pre- presence in this movie. It's more of like a gangsters are his rival or his antagonists in this film rather than police so it's not a cops and robbers movie but james can absolutely steals the screen like he often did and he's just perfect in this role this is like one of those great macho tough guy roles too that you're just like man this guy is just so cool but michael mann one of my favorite directors and he is i think all around he's an underrated director because he's made some really fantastic movies and this is one of them and if you haven't seen thief Put it on your watch list right now it is a macho tough guy role but there's also this is when a lot of characters that define masculinity were being introduced with vulnerability as well and that character goes through a lot of that as well in this film so that was starting to like kind of the characters were starting to change a little bit he's not good with emotions though he's not (laughs) (laughs) next up we have an epic anthony's fist pumping the air from peter ware probably the best director out of australia of all time he's He's really sensational Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, starring Russell Crowe, set in the 1800s. This follows Captain Jack Aubrey in this incredible voyage. <laughs> do you want to just take it over? No, no you, gotta, you got it. You're dancing. Yeah, just, I love this movie. <laughs> just do it, man. No, you got it. You're in this incredible voyage. And when it comes to period pieces set in whatever century, 19th century, early 19th century, in terms of a voyage across sea, this is up there for all timers. Production design, sensational wardrobe, as well as the action sequences. Armada's going to war. Navy's going to war. We love it. It's so incredible to capture on film when you do it correctly. But Peter Ware, such a sensational director, he kills it with Master and Commander. It's a shame that we never got sequels because this is based off a book series, which is actually inspired by true events of a real captain and the adventures he would go on. And the the book actually took some crazy stories that this captain used to fool other rivals and to to take out other ships and he was really this the real captain i remember can't remember his real name but lucky jack is inspired by him heavily it's this guy who who's rebellious but he was like a incredible leader and just the best salesman the navy had so they oh jack sparrow yeah. (laughs) yeah and so they would give him he was so good at winning but they the government hated him that they just gave him like bad boats and they actually gave him the smallest boat in the navy but he managed to take out The most dangerous vessels in the rival armies through his tactics through his cunning and through his incredible strategy he's probably he's considered one of the greatest naval minds ever in history and so jack in this movie is inspired by him russell crowe is unbelievable the the battle sequences they are absolutely stunning and still to this day almost 20 years later just stunning to behold on screen and i can't believe they pulled it off unfortunately it wasn't that successful at the box office although critically it's done pretty well they wanted to make more but they just didn't make enough money for them to make sequels and it's a shame because they don't they're never going to make movies like this again outside of Pirates of the Caribbean Pirates of the Caribbean is because it's fantasy so they can throw in a bunch of like spectacle and CGI and stuff but like this one it's like this is just things like this really happen it's I think it's more interesting to see like what real naval warfare was like 200 years ago we got a little taste of it in Napoleon not quite Mm -hmm. ship versus ship if you've seen that movie you know what we're talking about this one's exceptional and what I love about it so much is I've never seen a movie capture sort of the day-to-day life of what it was like to be on one of these ships so well not just on the top but also under below deck and everything like that so I thought it was really fascinating to see the lifestyle of a sailor yeah it's great in that era moving on Anthony next up we have another period piece war film, The Northman. One of the more recent films on this list. We put it on because we think Robert Eggers' film is absolutely stunning. Alexander Skarsgård is incredible. And in terms of Viking movies, I can't think of one that's better than this. It's phenomenal. It's epic. It's brutal. It's gory. It's graphic. It's fun. It's beautifully made. The production design, cinematography, the score is awesome. And also there's some mythos and cool um, fantastical sequences and elements that we they wove in between it. This movie is just, I found it to be one of the best movies of the year of 2021. And I was shocked that it got no love whatsoever from any accolades, even though it deserved so much. I think if the movie came out 10 years ago, it would have been like an Oscar contender and at least gotten nominated for most of the production side. But unfortunately, I think that, Maybe times are changed where the interest in movies like this are is just down. Came out in 2022. 2022. and it had a pretty weak box office. It was over. It was about a hundred million dollar budget. Made seventy million at the box office, which means it was in the ready ev- by the end of its release because it probably would have had to make two hundred, two hundred fifty million dollars to be, become a profitable film. So, and this was the first time Eggers did not work with A twenty four, I believe. This was Universal. Universal, yeah. And I love this film, and I miss these kinds of movies as well. It's similar to Master and Commander in terms of these epics and the scale and the scope and the characters. It's something new. It is something new, but, you know, Robert Eggers is a filmmaker that has something to say. I believe that's why so many people are drawn to his films, whether it's The Witch, The Northman, and In the Lighthouse. I'm so excited for his Nosferatu film, but people... In the film world, in the film community, adore his work. He's one of the most exciting directors in the not just the horror category and genre, but obviously leaving that with the Northman. And I think that's why people are drawn to him, because his films have something in them that there's substance to them. The Northman is just him operating on all cylinders with a budget, what it looks like, similar to what poor things is going to be with Yorgos Lanthimos, what what do these directors look like when they get a huge budget. And I, I can't wait to... Watch this one again. I love The Northman. I've seen it twice, and I was actually thinking about watching it the other night, but I chose something else. You chose Harry Potter. That show, I can't remember what I chose, but it wasn't The Northman, but I freaking love this movie. It's really, really good. It deserves to be on this list. It absolutely does. Next up, we have a Jake Gyllenhaal movie. We're doing Nightcrawler. This movie came out all the way back in 2014. Wow. Holy crap. That's the <laughs> oh year we God. moved to Los Angeles. Jesus. Uh, directed by Dan Gilroy. <laughs> now, this is really well received on Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb 7.8 as well. We put it on this list because in terms of Jake Gyllenhaal's career, I don't really see this li- this movie on there too often. But in general, it's just such a fascinating movie, this character, this guy, Lou Bloom, who really is this sinister, evil guy who will do anything to get a scam or make some money. And we learn he's a petty criminal. But then he discovers this job or profession of basically filming horrific accidents and then selling that to the media, selling that to newsrooms and companies for profit. that becomes his profession to the point where. He starts to become the catalyst for many of these actions to gain wealth and to gain power in this media, in this form, and will do anything to take out competition and to just rise the ranks. And it's so well made, such a unique movie and such a unique concept. And when it comes to Los Angeles movies, it's one of my favorite in recent years. I feel like grabbing you by the ears and screaming, I'm not fucking interested. (laughs) I'm going to go home and do some taxes. I mean, accounting. There's some great dialogue in this film. Dan Gilroy's script is really, really amazing. And I mean, the lines in this movie, it's like really, really sensational script. And then cinematography by Robert Ellsworth. Unbelievable. It's aging really well, too. Yeah, it's aging wonderfully. Nice wine. Next up, we Just like Jake is. (laughs) (laughs) He is aging pretty fucking well. (laughs) Next up, we have Warrior. The best MMA movie starring Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton. I love this movie. It's inspiring. It's physical. It's violent. Great characters. Uh, great story overall. Amazing ending. This is a movie where, like, by the end of the film, you like you don't even know who to root for because they're Play Brothers who are both up for the prize money of this MMA tournament. And they both need the money for really good reasons and you feel for them really well the character work is done so well in this film and by the end of the movie when they're finally fighting for the championship and for the prize money you're like i don't know who i want to win i want the both to win and it's just so emotional for being such a tough movie it's very very emotional and it's about a family that's broken as well the story and the dynamic with their father played by nick nolte who's also an alcoholic and is training tom hardy's character that brother and then Joel Edgerton's character is basically kind of training himself with another coach, but their dynamic, how they're estranged brothers, basically they communicate once in a while, but they don't really connect anymore, and they aren't really connected to their father either. But the fight fighting really brings them together, even though Tom Hardy's character is on this one man war mission, this path of hate and his traumatic past feeding his energy to destroy everyone he goes up against even his brother he'll destroy anyone in his path is really great story for the right reason too to give money for his best friend's family yeah, who died in the in the in war and then countering that with Joel Edgerton's character who needs the money to support his family it's really great story, really great motivations for these characters, and excellent fighting. And he's a teacher, and his students are always cheering for him. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and Tom Hardy, his transformation for this movie is great. So is in Joel's, and then it's similar to his massive transformation for Bane in Dark Knight Rises. He'll do anything for a role, but his his traps in this movie are <laughs> massive. They're like <laughs> higher than his head it's <laughs> his head he's got big shoulders he's a beast in he's this movie he's got some big shoulders holy crap <laughs> he's a big boy in and this one. is one of the the rare movies where he got to keep all of his tattoos without makeup being, being oh yeah on you're there. right yeah this, yeah. like he's... that's I love his interpretation of Bane I love Dark Knight Rises but you can tell he's covered in makeup a lot of the time for some of the shots depending on the lighting because they make up the sh- crap because he's got a ton of tattoos but man this is a great movie and it's very very good fighting on screen it is. it's very good next it's my no, yeah, turn. you go. It's you my go. turn. Go We're ahead. on number eleven of our most underrated movies of all time. We're on twelve. We're on number twelve, of our most underrated <laughs> movies of all time. And we got Robert Zemeckis here. We Bob, have Bob Zemeckis. Bob Zemeckis, starring Tom Hanks. We have Castaway. Castaway is a sensational film. came all came out in two thousand. Turn oh of the century. Y two K baby. Oh Castaway came out and it was one of the most successful films that year it had a budget it had a box office of 430 million dollars back then which just for inflation is probably six billion (laughs) (laughs) yeah six trillion dollars today, more like dollars. more billion which is wild because not superheroes or anything like that it's just an incredible film and it's about this man who works for fedex and great marketing i know it's about this guy who works for fedex he's kind of a a local regional manager or or something and it's the holiday season he's making sure these packages get shipped correctly across seas uh, on this plane on this flight as well as almost proposing to his girlfriend and then the plane crashes and he goes down with it obviously and they crash land into the ocean everyone on the plane dies except for him he survives and when it comes to desert island movies this is this is the, the pinnacle king. it's the king. a person stranded on an island and
1: he and survived the,
0: the, the, it's the best plane crash sequence ever put on film the first act of this yeah. movie is sensational but yeah the crash the crashing plane sequence incredible and then him surviving in the ocean then getting to the island it's some of the best filmmaking i've ever seen in my entire life it's probably like the best 50, one of the best action sequences that it's like the of all time that like a minute 10 minutes of yeah. of the plane going down everything yeah. it, it's so sensational so thrilling I don't think I blink when I watch this. The last time I watched this movie, that whole sequence, I did not blink at we all. We watched it together. I remember last year, and after the sequence, and he was finally stra- He finally made it to shore. We were both like, "Holy fuck! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god!" And I just seen this in theaters, which we did not. But I know I'd seen it on did TV not. a few times before. It was on TV a lot. It was I remember very it was popular. Like, it was on like USA or TNT a lot. And then this man survives, and he's surviving and holding out hope on seeing his almost fiance once again, and then eventually. We all know the story. He escapes that desert island yeah, with some pretty clever uh, craftsmanship. But as well as the majority of the film is him by himself. And this is such an incredible performance, similar to Moon. Where we have basically a one-man show, but more so with Moon than this because we have a lot of flashbacks. But this movie, Tom Hanks, just carries it on his shoulders in addition to incredible filmmaking, as well as some deep moral ideas and existential themes of suicide, re- um Self worth, dignity, and then as well as the fight for survival. What will you do to survive? And the yeah, willingness to survive in that symbol on that one package, the wings. Golden wings. Yeah. Oh, fucking, what was in that fucking box, man? I know. It's the thing that kept him going. It's just like a pair of socks. <laughs> <laughs> also, some great gore. Even the sequence where he has to pop out is too. Dude, oh my God. With this the rock s- and the roller skate gets me every time. But. Ah, 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 ah! <laughs> and then. Our, one of our oldest props ever is the Wilson soccer ball. Yeah, we'll I got, oh, have. yeah, I got Wilson right here. I and mean, the volleyball. So, yeah, it's volleyball. It's one of our oldest props. It's one of the first things I got from yeah. my early desk when we decided, like, hey, we might actually have something cooking with this podcast. We should get some stuff for the set. I can't believe how old it is. Wilson! Wilson's been here with us for a long time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Want to hear a joke? My dentist's name is Dr. James Spalding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love that movie. I think it's it's so good. It is. That's why we have it on this list, because it's really incredible. Next up, we have a Tarantino movie, believe it or not. We have The Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight is, in my opinion, one of the best scripts he's written. And it's just one of the best acted movies of the last 20 years. It's so incredible. And I know it's well-liked, but I don't think that... It's as liked as it deserves to be. And it, is, it was so underappreciated at Oscar season and Globe season. It should have been nominated for everything. It really is that good of a movie. And for Tarantino movies, it's one of my favorites to watch now. It's really, really, really rewarding on rewatches. It's a lot of fun. I love the cast and I love the characters. And it's just, you know, Tarantino having so much fun as a writer and director in this one. It's one of Sam Jackson's best performances. Walton Goggins cracks me up in this movie. It's just really sensational movie. And then, you know, Kurt Russell, he's always been a massive Kurt Russell fan, and obviously he put him as... Stunt Kurt Man. Russell has? Tarantino has. No, no, I was, I'm just joking, because Kurt Russell has always been a Kurt Russell fan. <laughs> I'm sure he likes himself. <laughs> but Tarantino's always been a Russell fan, and he obviously put him in as Stuntman Mike in Death Proof, but like, to make him like basically the lead of this movie... You can see like how like how rewarding it is for him and the audience. It really shows on screen. Jennifer Jason Lee won the Globe for this one, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yes, but I mean Samuel Jackson. How he hasn't won an Oscar for any of his Tarantino movies, or at least been nominated, is beyond me. I mean Jules in Pulp Fiction, but then here in The Hateful Eight, as well as in Django Unchained. I think those are these are two. Samuel's best performances in entire in his entire career, and the hateful eight. That, that's the reason we have it on this list is because it's insanely underappreciated for Tarantino in, in his career. And I see a lot of hate for this movie online. And a lot of people find it boring. A lot of people find it, the dialogue is there's too much of it. I think it's so well written. It's like Anthony said. It's incredible what he's able to do with this script of all these characters in one location, basically inside this haberdashery for two and a half, three hours for the majority of the film. There's so much mystery involved as well, so much playfulness and Tarantino doing things like having an intermission in the film because he's Tarantino and he can put an intermission in the film and we saw this in theaters. It's one of my favorite movie theater experiences of all time still. We saw it on Christmas day on 70 millimeter film. They had an overture playing for about 20 minutes before the film started, which was really cool. They had a program. They had warps and pro- wardrobe and props there. And they had a legitimate intermission for 15 minutes. It just had it was just the screen cut to black for 15 minutes. It was so cool. And then come back. And he keeps that in the movie. Obviously, it's just like 10 seconds of black. Yeah. But then the voice of the narrator still comes in. He's like, all right, now that we're back with our friends and see what's going on. He, he kept it in the movie because it's Tarantino. He can do whatever he wants. I think it's a perfect movie, honestly. And I, I still think that there's time for it to be appreciated aptly for what it's worth because it's so well made. But it's a really bold movie, even in Tarantino's career. And to open your movie up with a five minute zoom out, pull out of the statue of Jesus on the cross with horror music basically playing in the background from Ennio Morricone is awesome. It's a great title. It's opening. awesome. Great title sequel. All right, moving on to. We need to talk about Kevin. I haven't seen this movie in a long time, so you can take this one. Yeah, directed and written by Lynn Ramsey. This stars Ezra Miller and Tilda Swinton and John C. Riley. And Ezra plays a psychopathic eventual killer of students in his school. And so Tilda, it, it goes between flashbacks and present day. And so Tilda's the mother. And so it cuts between her dealing with the fallout of him killing students in his school and then cutting cross cutting that with his childhood when he was a kid and all the signs that led up to this troubled uh killer's mind and the the characterization of both tilda and ezra's characters is really great it's sensational writing and incredible directing it's very fascinating it's a dark movie it's a very grim and difficult movie to watch but it's very very rewarding uh, especially on rewatches. It's it's really an incredible portrait of, of serial killer. And it's just Tilda, she's one of my favorite actors. And I know everybody hates Ezra Miller now, but he is also extremely talented. And this is a proof of like how good he is as an actor, how good they are as an actor. Just incredible to be that young and going opposite Tilda Swinton blow for blow in this way is just really impressive. And it's just... You know this is a time there's another film like elephant by gus van sant about school shooting you know these are difficult stories to tell but they happen in real life so it helps us try to understand what's happening in these kinds of situations um i definitely recommend checking it out but it's not for the faint of heart but it is a sensational film it's really impressive work by lynn ramsey moving on to number 15 we have a david cronenberg film starring vigo mortensen maria bello and Ed Harris, as well as Willem Hurts, A History of Violence. This movie's so great. It's got an awesome mystery and twist. Beagle Mortensen plays this character, this guy named Tom Stahl. He's just a simple guy in this small town in the middle of fucking nowhere, like Idaho or something. And he has this diner, and he has a family. He's got the whole thing. The wife, the kid, very happy man, very normal life. Until... These robbers come to his diner and try to rob the place, and he messes them up and destroys them with precision and skill. That and, not even he knew had Yeah. It seems the audience is like, who is this guy? And it gets national attention. A news story is made about him. And then these weird wise guys start to come From to Billy. his town to start asking him questions, and they seem to know him. Everyone's confused, and he's trying to play it off. Like, I have no idea who these guys are. And I don't want to spoil the twist because it's awesome, but when it comes to Viggo Mortensen, it's one of my favorite movies he's done, as well as Cronenberg. Cronenberg, like, he did two movies with Viggo Mortensen that I really love, this one, and Eastern Promises. They're so cool. Great gore, great action, great violence, and great ideas. And this one specifically is it's just got such a great twist and a great third act, and I really, really love the script. It's an awesome idea, and I can't recommend it enough. Amazing twist. Um, you don't see it coming. And it's really, really great. It's very violent. It's a great film about violence. I love it. Next up, we have Apocalypto, which tells the story of a small Mayan village. Well, not they're not even Mayan. They're just like their own little culture who get uh, the men get kidnapped by Mayan warriors and yeah. taken, taken. Well, the Mayan Empire span yeah. a huge region, so these yeah. there's small tribes yeah, in there. So, yeah, so their tribe gets raided. Um, and the men get captured to be sacrificial parts of the ritual in the mine like city and then it's about one of them who eventually escapes and it's basically a chase movie for the second half of the movie it's impressive impressive filmmaking it's incredible uh, it's one of the most entertaining action movies of all time. Uh, they don't speak any english, which i th- I think was a really smart move. it's so cool there's really nothing like it uh, because it, it's very accurate to the culture. It's very um, honest and truthful and raw. And then it's incredibly visceral and exciting and and grisly and brutal. Um, but, man, I love this movie. I've seen it many times. And I think it's one of the most underappreciated films ever made, in yeah. my opinion. Mel Gibson's one of the best actor-directors of all time. Yeah. And he made some bangers. Okay, I mean, yeah. Braveheart's awesome as well. But Apocalypto... It's really sensational filmmaking, and I really love this movie. I think it's his best movie. It's up there. It's it's really terrific stuff, and, yeah, we can't recommend it enough. Moving on to a remake of a Western from 1957, I believe. We have 310 to Yuma starring Christian Bale, Russell Crowe, Ben Foster, and Logan Lerman, directed by James Mangold. And this is one of his best movies, but when it comes to Westerns this century, there aren't a ton of great ones. This is one of the great ones. And it's an excellent story of Russell Crowe playing this outlaw who's been caught. He's under arrest. And now they have to transfer him to a train, the 310, to Yuma to get him to prison. And the sheriff's department, the police, they are short-staffed, so they recruit some locals. One of them being Christian Bale, who needs some money to support his family during the season where their crops aren't producing, right? They have a farm that's not producing any any food. They had to bring their family out there and they can't grow crops. Exactly. So, and he's also injured from the war. He's He's got got one leg. He's got a a wooden leg. And it's basically kind of a a slow chase to get to this train while the outlaws from Russell Crowe's character's gang, Ben Wade, right? That's his name. Ben 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 Wade's gang, are trying to rescue him at the same time. But the character development between Ben Wade and Christian Bale's character is really awesome and incredible. They sort of create a friendship. And then by the end of the film... They're kind of working together to get him on that train. He's like, I've been to Yuma twice, escaped twice. So (laughs) he ain't worried about getting out. It's an awesome film. Great production design, great wardrobe, great acting. I really love it. And I love westerns, and this is one of the best of the century. For a one-legged rancher, he's one tough son of a bitch. (laughs) Ben Foster is amazing in this. There's, There's a movie where I really took note of Ben Foster. Yeah, me too. He's fantastic. Next up, we have... In fucking Bruges. Fucking Bruges. It's like a, it's like a fucking fairy tale, right? <laughs> Do you <enjoy> Martin, it? <laughs> Martin McDonald's become a huge name as a writer director. He most recently did in ba- the Banshees of Sharon. but he broke out with In Bruges with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson and Ray Fiennes. It's such a funny movie. I think it's one of the be- funniest movies ever made. I it, it's, I laugh out loud when I see it. It's really great characters because what makes it it's more than just a comedy. It's it's a character driven comedy. It's so well written. It's so well acted by Colin Farrell and, and Brendan Gleeson. They have so much great chemistry and you can see why McDonald got them together for Banshees because it's like they are just dynamite on screen together. And Colin Farrell, especially in this film, he but I believe he won a Golden Globe for this film or he at least got nominated, but I think he won a Golden Globe for this movie and it's just endlessly entertaining. It's dark and funny. And just like fascinating to watch the the comedy it's it's kind of like an acquired taste of comedy but if you get it you laugh out loud during this movie it's really and it's also very vulgar and not pc friendly which i think is still it's just like movies like this this movie would never get made today that's like that kind of comedy moving up to number 19 on our list we have i think a controversial pick but i'm gonna stand by it a Steven Spielberg film. We have Ready Player One. Now, there is a divisive opinion about this film online I've seen. A lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. I think it's an incredible book, and it's for an adaptation. They did a really great job for this massive book. You can only do so much, especially with something like this. And when I watched this movie, I felt... Did you read the book first? Yeah, I read the book first and I watched the movie. It felt so similar to the adventure films of Spielberg's past. It really felt... I felt that kinetic energy that we felt in the Indiana Jones films and so many others from Steven Spielberg, the third act of E.T. And this movie really took me back to feeling like that. Not that he hasn't done that in a while, but, you know, the 21st century Spielberg, the last 15 years he's done a lot of smaller budgeted films compared to his past as well as, you know, more dramatic films. And this one really felt like that adventure film that he was – Built his There's career off of this and Tintin, or like the adventure films he's made. Yeah, in this it really century. what he built his career yeah. off of in terms of being a global director and huge star in filmmaking. This felt like that, and the story's eerily close to home about this not quite post-apocalyptic world, but this insanely impoverished future where the average citizen is their life is so terrible, everything's shit, where they spend all their time in this virtual world, this virtual reality called the Oasis. And the Oasis is an escape from the day-to-day life. That's where everyone spends their time. That's basically the economic system. The monetary system is in the Oasis credits. That's where everyone puts their money into. Crypto! Exactly. <laughs> I think we'll get to credits at some points in a lot of movies. And what happens in the Oasis is the creator passes away, but then he leaves a Easter egg hunt for someone to gain control of the Oasis and all of his wealth. And whoever finds these three keys will eventually win the prize of getting control of the oasis and so we have this young character this teen who's one of the best oasis players out there and he's obsessed with this easter egg hunts and going against a corporation that's trying to take over the oasis and it's a great film great cgi great animation combined with incredible fa- practical filmmaking in the real world as well it's an awesome movie <laughs> it's an awesome movie Next so funny. <laughs> you like, it was like the whole movie plot. <laughs> oh, that's what we're doing. We've been doing the plot for all of these. <laughs> it was like 10 minutes later. It's going to be a good clip, man. <laughs> I like Ready Player One. <laughs> I know, I can tell. Anyways. You wouldn't shut up about <laughs> Anthony it. Anthony hates. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Anthony hates Ready Player <laughs> One. No, I love it. I think it's underrated. 7.4, I think it's too low. It's a really, really fun movie. All right, next up, we have. Another Tom Cruise movie, number three on this list. We have Edward Zwick's The Last Samurai. In my opinion, one of the most misunderstood films of all time. And it's one of my most... It's one of my favorites to watch. It's a beautiful film. Stunning cinematography, scored by Hans Zimmer. Ken Watanabe is great. Tom Cruise is great. I think this movie is misunderstood for two reasons. The The name is confusing. I looked on Letterboxd today and everyone's like making fun of tom cruise being the final samurai samurai the last samurai means this is the last group of samurai plural samurais samurais pluralized in the title so i think people are misled by the title and then also they think it's a white saver movie and it's not so those couldn't be more incorrect this is a movie that embraces japanese culture the japanese samurai culture Uh, it shows a great respect and love for that community in that period of time. Loosely based on a real guy, too. So it's based on a French soldier who actually did, during these battles, he joined up with the samurai against the will of his own French army, and, and he fought with the samurai. So it's actually inspired by true events of a real, you know, a, West, a white Westerner who joined the samurai to battle, to fight with them. And Tom Cruise doesn't save anyone in this movie. Tom Cruise doesn't save the day. He just merely joins them. And he doesn't even actually become a samurai. So I think that people are – they don't understand what the movie is. And this movie, I think, is an embracement of that. And also, if you want to make a big samurai epic, the only way to get it, get it made on this kind of a scale is to get a movie star in it. And Tom Cruise was, is one of the biggest movie stars of all time. So you got to put him on the poster to sell the tickets. And so I think that this movie is just not understood for how beautiful, how meaningful – It is, and I adore the movie. It's rich in intense detail, spirituality, culture. It's a sensational film. We'll never get movies like this ever again. We really won't on this scale, this epic. It's awesome. And it does talk about, you know, the destructive forces of the white Westerner, especially in America and then in other cultures. So that dark past is actually really well embraced in this film and showcased. He plays a man who hates this culture. And then he grows to love it it's just really beautiful story as well as the globalization of western culture kind of infusing itself and taking over other cultures which happens in japan and happened in japan yeah and then they show that in this film now let's move on to the next film on our list take shelter which is an awesome movie from jack nichols starring michael shannon which is very much a religious allegory in terms of it's about this guy who has these visions about this storm that will destroy everything around them and he's in the small town and he's basically trying to warn everybody, but no one believes him. Everyone thinks he's crazy. They think he's going nuts with these visions. He starts building like a safe, what do you call it? He starts to build an underground bunker, bunker. a shelter yeah. to save himself and his family from this storm that he believes is coming. Everyone thinks he's out of his mind. It's a great movie about, is this guy having delusions or is he having premonitions? Which is very similar to many religions, the stories that they tell in their religious text, whether it's the Torah or the Bible or whatever. So many of these stories are about these characters or these people who have premonitions of doom to come and saving people and saving themselves. Or are they chosen by a higher power, a god to save for them for are they chosen for a reason to survive? And it's a big movie for it was for Shannon and for Jessica Chastain as well. It was part of two thousand eleven, Jessica Chastain came out with this, The Tree of Life and two other movies. So she blew up in a big way because of this year. What a third act too. Great third, third act. act. And also, like, when he's, he's, he's investing all of his family's money in the shelter, which complicates things. It's a really, qu- really, really good story. I love it. All right, next up, we have William Friedkin film called Sorcerer. And now, we've talked about this on this show quite a lot because it really is that good. It's about four men who have evaded complications and pro- problems from their past in different countries. And they've all, they've all found themselves in a village in the middle of South America. Just hiding from their past and then a job is put upon the men so in the re- in a nearby mining facility they need um, dynamite to help with the problem that's happened with the mine now the dynamite is stored like 500 miles away in the jungle safely and so these men are tasked with driving on trucks very sensitive dynamite across the jungle yeah, it's in these boxes yeah. if, like, you push it too much, yeah, it'll explode. If, if it moves too much, <laughs> they will explode. Because the dynamite's been sitting out for very long, so it's extra sensitive. So it has to be transported very carefully, but they have to drive through the difficult terrain of the jungle. It's incredible. It's one of the most uh, spe- like, inspiring films I've ever seen in terms of a production standpoint. Like, they, at William Friedkin and his crew actually shot this in the jungle. It looked like it must have been hell to make, but it paid off. It's got one of the most insane stunt sequences I've ever seen. The truck bridge sequence is absolutely jaw-dropping it's really mind-blowing this movie and it's incredible incredible uh, filmmaking acting cinematography the score is cool so i mean in terms of movies that nobody really talks about this has got to be top of the list that really deserves all the praise in the world plus that final shot man oh the my final God. shot <laughs> have you screamed at the tv next up is a movie I've never seen, so why don't you take it? Or actually, I'll we'll skip. I'll do 24, you do 23. Yeah, That's yeah, they're, they're not in order. Number yeah. 24, oh my god, hell yeah. We have First Blood, yes. which is the first Rambo movie starring Sylvester Stallone. He wrote this one, mm-hmm. didn't direct it though, right? Correct. correct. He, did he direct No, he did not direct what you did, What you said was correct. What I said was correct. <laughs> and he plays, we all know he plays Rambo, who's a Vietnam War vet who comes back from the war. And at the time, Vietnam War vets were treated with hate disdain from americans and that's basically what he's treated with because he's just trying to find a place to bunker down or find a place to stay for the night basically he's He's looking for his friend he's looking for the the family of his friend who died during war he's trying to find gotcha yeah he's just walking through this town and then because he's a vietnam war vet he's got this long hair he's got his green jacket on the sheriff pulls him over arrests him just because of being who he is first he tries to kick him out of town he's like get out of here and then when rambo refuses then he arrests him and then basically it's him versus this sheriff's department. And little do they know they just arrested one of the most badass Green Berets in on the planet and it's survival expert, a killing expert, and it becomes a war of police versus one man. I think that because Rambo the franchise has become kind of like in a way not a joke, but like not taken seriously because of first of all how many movies there are and how and many of them aren't really that great. And because of how just action heavy, ridiculous action it is. I think that people, if they haven't seen the first one, they might not realize how great of a film it is and how intensive a character study it is. And it, like you said, its it really is about, uh, very much about the reactions that men who fought in Vietnam, who really, they were just called up and they were just serving their duty and they were doing what they were ordered to do. And then they came home and they were hated. And really, that's, a, that's seeped into this film in such a great way. It's, it's a lot more than just an action movie. And then in terms of the action, it's much smaller than we, know, than we usually see in the Rambo movies, obviously. It's, it's intimate, and it's brutal, and it's visceral. And it's very small in scale. It's a very simple story. But it's expertly crafted and perfectly directed, and and Stallone really is fantastic as Rambo. It's one of his better performances in his career, and this movie it deserves to be like looked at again in terms of action movies. It's that it's that special of a film, I think. All right, moving on to the the one that James hasn't seen, but I have a few times, and I just couldn't recommend it enough. It's Match Point, uh, starring Scarlett Johansson, Jonathan Rhys Meyers, and Matthew Good. It's about this. Failed tennis star, who's now a tennis instructor. He's kind of like trying to make ends meet. And then he falls in with high society based upon one of the one of his clients who he trains. Is And he's just a, this wealthy elite socialite comes from a really great British family. And then he marries the guy's sister to, to kind of in a way buy himself into this high society. He rises up the ranks of elitism, starts making a ton of money. But at the same time. He's having an affair with the client's um, fiance, Scarlett Johansson. And as they start this affair, it becomes a very dark uh, thriller, a mystery thriller about murder um, and about how, willing you, how far you're willing to go to protect yourself and this kind of new life you've built to preserve that and what you're willing to do to save that. And it, it has an incredible second act, absolutely incredible. This, this movie will floor you. I highly recommend checking out Matchpoint. Point. Have you seen that video meme of the two, like, East Coast guys, the rest about, uh, he, he was the best guy around. What about all the murder? What, what murder? murder! <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly yeah. <it. laughs> all right, number 25 on our list. We'll bang out, and then we'll get right to our intermission and come back to the rest of the list. We have a superhero film, our first, com- our first comic book movie on the list. Yes, first one. First comic book movie. Well, actually, manga's technically sort of graphic novel. We have Whatever Man, Watchmen. Zack Snyder's Watchmen based off the Alan Moore book graphic novel, which we think is a sensational comic book film, one of the most underappreciated and so far ahead of its time, not really talked about anymore, but from a production standpoint and adapt- adaptation standpoint, Zack did a really stellar job with this film using obviously the the the, the, the frames from the graphic novel as very much a storyboard for the movie capturing many of the same images shot for shot, which is sensational. A controversial switch up at the third act with the ending of the film, but overall an incredible adaptation. We love it so much. Great practical filmmaking, a lot of great action sequences, and Zack Snyder just doing what Zack Snyder does best, making big blockbuster epics, and we love Watchmen so much, and I just don't think it's appreciated anymore. And I I have heard very mixed things about the TV show. I haven't checked it out. I probably won't because I just love the movie. Yeah, I really like this movie. I think it's awesome. All right. Let's head into our intermission. But before we continue, the very best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. It is a subscription-based form of support. Every single patron for perks gets access to weekly bonus episodes of the show. We just did one on Napoleon last week. So if you want to hear us review that film, you have to sign up for a Patreon, but everyone has access to it. Like I said in the beginning, you'll also get access to the ad-free version of every single episode in the minimum. $5 tier, $10 tier, you get access to our Discord going all the way up to $25 tier. You get a custom episode, $100 tier. You get so many perks, they're coming out of your ears like free merch, private watch parties, all sorts of things. Patreon allows us to do the show full-time, so thank you so much for your support. You can sign up again at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. I'll put a link in the description of this episode as well. Another way to support the show, leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. They really help us get seen by new listeners on these platforms. I'll read out an Apple review in just a moment. And then the number one way to help our show grow is to share us with your family and friends. Share us on your Instagram accounts, on Twitter. Text episodes to whoever you want. YouTube, it's the best way for a podcast to grow organically. So we need your support by sharing us with everyone in your contact list. Just send them an episode right now. Share the load. <laughs> this episode, of course, is sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order right now. They have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library, as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting for your poster needs. The holiday season is upon us you got to get a gift for the movie lover in your life. What else are you going to get them then? A great movie poster of one of their favorite films. And of course, if you're going to do that, you got to go to movieposters.com and use our promo code RAIDERS10 to get that 10% off discount. Right meow. All right, let's head into our intermission, Anthony. We'll begin with the movie quote competition. Are you ready? Ready. This is between two characters. First character goes, what happened? Second character. What happened, my dear Zero, is I beat the living shit out of a sniveling little runt called Pinky Bendinsky, who had the gall to question my virility. Because if there's one thing we've learned from Penny Dreadfuls, is that when you find yourself in a place like this, you must never be a candy ass. You've got to prove yourself from day one. You've got to win their respect. You should take a long look at his ugly mug this morning. He's actually become a dear friend. <laughs> Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, here's mine. Emotional... Not fun. A lot of fuss. They cry, they plead, they beg, they piss themselves, they call for their mothers. It gets embarrassing. Say it again, but slower. Emotional, not fun. A lot of fuss. Oh wait, okay. Killing them softly? Yes. Got it. Nice job. Thanks. Good one. <laughs> so that's when Brad's talking to Scoop McNary's character? No, it's Richard Jenkins' character. Richard, Richard yeah. Jenkins' character. Okay, yeah. at the end. And then he says, I like to kill them softly. Gotcha. Yeah, when they're at the bar. America's a business. Now fucking pay me! Pay me. Moving on to guess this movie release here, Anthony. The Road. Hmm. The Road came out starring Vigo. John Hillcult it. a really good Australian director yeah. as well. Proposition the road came out in 2006 2009 damn oh wow a couple years after no country yeah everyone's like we need another Cormac McCarthy movie another one pretty little horses obviously like 1999 but he was hot after no country all right what year did animal kingdom come oh we're all over Australians today yeah I did a Ben Mendelsohn 2000 and nine 2010 one close, off. Close, close. Close, man. Close, but no cigar. No cigar. Movie pop quiz time, Anthony. Who directed Lawless? John Hillcoat. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. When I said, yeah, John Hillcoat is a direct, great director, I was gonna you, were say, pro- you were probably like, fuck. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, yeah, Lawless, too. <laughs> All right. Ben Meadowson starred in Ryan Gosling's directorial debut, which is called... Something River. Um, not the river. It's fucking. Oh, what is it? Blue. You're close, no, blue man. Blue River? No. River's in the title. River's in the title. Um, crap. You're close, man. You almost got it. Think about it. You got this. seep you got River it. under river. You're just gonna try every word with River <laughs> until you get it right. Chair River. <laughs> Refrigerator Lamp, river. river. Refrigerator River. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh my god, oh, this is gonna fucking piss me off. I know this man. I know it clearly you don't <laughs> Guillermo You gonna, know it you knew Guillermo you know was it. gonna make it, but he dropped out No, he no he said he would have loved to make it. He, he didn't drop out. So Guillermo dropped out of the project <laughs> <laughs> you don't any, he, Clearly don't know what you're talking about. He did a Q&A yeah with Gosling and he's like man if you didn't want if you didn't direct this I would have happily directed it. I can't remember the full title. Lost River. Lost River. Lost River Nice try though, almost. You got river. I got river. You got a logo. <laughs> All right, what's your streaming recommendation? My streaming recommendation is *The Proposition*, which is on Peacock, directed by John, John Hillcoat. Coat. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I recommend that. I, I went with like underrated movies as well for my streaming recommend for my recommendations in intermission. Propositions, a great western that takes place in Australia. I picked uh, a Robert De Niro movie that I've been meaning to watch called *Midnight Run*. It's Midnight really Ruin? Good. It's Midnight Run on Netflix. And he plays a former cop who's now a bounty hunter. And he's found this high priced bounty, this guy who uh, betrayed the mob. He's also wanted for for crimes as a criminal accountant. And so De Niro is trying to transport the guy across country from the East Coast to California. And it's really funny. It's a great road comedy great action comedy and it's really fantastic i highly recommend midnight run midnight run all right i have a great five-star review that i'd love to read let's hear it so here we go this is from sc luip 15 is that their snapchat my favorite (laughs) podcast Uh ah i wanted to say thanks for the incredible content you consistently deliver i love the movie news episodes i hope one day you'll come out with a good, the bad, and the ugly review. Oh, nice. I would love to do that. We, we should. Mean. We should do the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, SCLewip15, for listening, for your review, and your support. We appreciate you. Thank you. you now, we was- have a couple unsubscribes. We have... Uh, Donnie Owens made two, actually. He's the only two. two. from Donnie. So, on the you're 100 greatest movies of all time. Yours. He wrote, I need to see Young Guns one and two on this list. Unsubscribed. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, in our Letterbox top one hundred, he wrote, This is the most artsy farcy movie list I've ever had the displeasure of viewing. I award Letterbox no points and may God have mercy on their soul. <laughs> <laughs> no Matrix unsubscribed. <laughs> oh yeah, the Matrix was in the top one hundred. Wasn't in the top two fifty. That was that was messed up. There's a Billy Madison reference though. Yeah, know. sick no. reference. I'm glad I called that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Business ethics. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get back into the most underrated films of all time. And how about we run through everyone that sent in their choice of the most underrated film of all time on Twitter and Instagram? So we have MT Riley wrote Nightcrawler, Andrew Whaley, Tron Legacy, Max Uzzle. The Sun is so underrated. Donnie, Death to Smoochie. <laughs> Edgar Fox, Manhunter. Nice. Will Cardi, Godzilla from 2014. Gabriel, Catch Me If You Can or Dead Poets Society. And then we have BJ Hardy, Jack and Jill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Siren, Place Beyond the Pines. Nice. Hell yeah. Galaviz, Now You See Me. Julia, Hunt for the Wilder People. Hmm. Uh, Jack, Hostels. Nice. Good pick. I think, that yeah, it's an excellent pick. That's Scott an underrated movie. movie. That's an underrated movie. Steven wrote Paddleton. Techno Staple. Definitely. Phone Booth. That's a pretty phone good pick. Yeah. yeah, it's a yeah, fun it's thriller. Yeah. Dawson Bottle Rocket. That's nice. a really good pick for a Wes Anderson movie for yeah. sure. RZX. The Place Beyond the Pines. We got another one. Nathaniel Treasure Planet. I like that pick. The Voice Note podcast, Ready Player 1, Hell hey. yeah, as well as Kong Skull Island and Midnight in Paris. Midnight in Paris, it's a pretty good, yeah. I liked it the last time I, don't I watched it. I think it's underrated. It. Joshua Smith: The Iron Giants. Would you would you say it's underrated? It's I I would say because of Pixar, it didn't make much money, but it's widely considered one of the best animated films, I would say. I think it's especially for 2D yeah. animation, it's up there. And then C.R. Dutta, Bad Boys 2. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good action movie. That's a great pick. I think Bad Boys 2 is a really good pick. Point Breaker, Bad Boys 2. Which one do you think I'd prefer? No, which one do you want to watch first? <laughs> now let's head to Twitter and see what everyone said here. Oh, you made a tweet? Yeah, I made I made a, a tweet. We got 19 responses. You made an X? We have Gala Films wrote Funny Games. The, uh looks like they sent the American version, Hollywood version. Gregory, Mystery Men, <laughs> Ian Matthews, Babylon, Serial mm-hmm. Boy, The Grey, stay tuned, Serial nice. Boy, you might like the rest of our list. Oh, Enrique wrote Apocalypto, fuck yeah, hell yeah. Enrique knows what's up. Ramen, My Life, <laughs> Enrique also wrote Zodiac, John Raphael, Raphael, Raphael. sorry, Sunshine, Silence, The Martian, and Chef. Then Sunshine's ha- underrated, yeah. You think Silence underrated? Silence? Yeah. Silence is very underrated. Yeah, we, sh- we should th- put it on our yeah, list. Yeah, I think we should put it on our list. I'm going to put it. We should do that next, then. We'll cross something else out. I can't believe we forgot about Silence. Craig Henderson, Nightcrawler. Cinema Connoisseur, something else. Uh, oh, you're just complimenting that. Uh, Jack Lemons, Place Beyond the Pines. <laughs> De Costello, Wild Wild West. Chicken, <laughs> chicken. And then we have. Gilby's the wise. This is the Brad Pitt movie. Which one's this? The is it an image? Is is it the, the one the river one? Let me see. The That's ri- Legend of the Fall. Legend of the Fall. Gotcha. We also got Sam Burns wrote Almost Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Umer Zayer. Nocturnal Animals. Collateral. Children of Men. Unsundee. Hell or High Water. Unsubscribed. Alan Towell, Unsundee. Should we put D on this list? It's an 8 yeah. on IMDb. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> AEO Films, Dread. Love it. Yeah, good pick. Harriet Lecter, Victor Victoria. And then Alita Warrior wrote Alita Battle Angel. Oh, Alita Battle Angel is very good. Yeah, I think that's a yeah, good pick. It's a good pick. So we're, what do we say we're going to put on? Silence. So I think we should... Pr- re- we can replace one. Let's replace... We can replace 39 because 39 is really well-liked. 39 is just not that many people have seen it. Or it could replace 32. We can keep it. Here, ready? I'm just going to... I popped something out from the end, and we're just going to put silence at number 26. Oh, we repeated 48. Yeah, by accident. That's what it is. So, yeah, just put it in 48 because we already did 48 earlier. And then... Cool. That worked out perfectly. Now we don't have a repetition. All right, let's get get into repetition. Let's get into our list with 26. We have a Tony Scott movie, in my opinion, the best Tony Scott movie, even though he made some awesome films. Crimson Tide, starring Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman, two of the all time greats going head to head, blow for blow. It's an incredible movie. It's a submarine film. It's about a confusion with an unfinished transcription radio call of an order and the captain and the first mate, Denzel, they're not sure if their order is to fire a nuclear warhead or to not fire a nuclear warhead. And so one man thinks they should fire, and one man thinks they shouldn't. And it's about the the conflict between that and also the the people who join up with them amongst the crew. It's an incredible film. It's so well-directed and so well-acted. I think it's an all-time military movie, and then you get a bangin' score by Hans Zimmer. One of his most underrated scores, too. It's an incredible movie. I love Crimson Tide. Yeah, this is one we've talked about a few times in the show in terms of recommending it to people to watch, obviously in our Denzel Washington spotlight, but we love Crimson Tide. It is oh, yeah. excellent and you know, a single location, really, for a huge cast. It's really exciting. There's so much kinetic energy in this film. It's just fast-paced once it gets going. Oh, yeah. The stakes are massive world shattering stakes and it's kind of scary to see how many people had control over nuclear warheads before i mean in this era of what was it the 1990s this takes place it's inspired by a true story of a russian submarine captain who did the same thing yeah so people the captains of these submarines had control over the nuclear warheads and they could launch them if they thought they had to which is scary to have that many people in control of nukes so Thank God that changed. It's because a fucking great movie. It increased the probability of something terrible happening now Let's get into something lighter the complete opposite when it comes to music films Obviously people bring up the hits a lot of David Giselle films, obviously uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is a common one, but there's a specific one that we think is insanely underrated Coming from Ireland called once this came out in 2007 And it's about these musicians who basically meet by chance. And this guy who's a singer, songwriter, guitarist, meets this woman who's also a singer and plays piano. And they create beautiful music together. And it's a love story combined with a story about terrific music and creating that art form together. And it's it's really beautiful. It's endearing, emotional. Insanely well written and directed and acted and it's got beautiful music in it very minimalist production But it will make you cry your ass off. I guarantee it. So good. All right next up We have Ben Affleck's directorial debut Gone Baby Gone, which is a criminally underrated crime film (laughs) about the investigation of a missing girl by a local Bostonian who knows the streets really well Played by Casey Affleck and his partner slash partner, slash wife, Michelle Monaghan. It's a really incredible film. It's a great mystery with a fucking shocking twist. Really, really sensational. What an impressive debut by Affleck. It really surprised people and showed that he did have the chops behind the camera, which he proved again many times after this. But Gone Baby Gone is a really exceptional film. Next up, we have the first film that Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan teamed up for. We have Fruitvale Station, which is a sensationally tragic story based on a real person named Oscar Grant who was killed by police, shot in a trainway station. And it's so tragic and and authentic to real life. In this character, this real-life person, Oscar Grant, basically was trying to leave, live a clean life and get things together, and he had a lot going for him, and he was gunned down, basically, for really being in the wrong place at the wrong time, and also based off of his skin color, obviously, and it was a really early story of that that broke national attention back in the, what was it, the 2000s, and it's a tragedy that will leave you weeping for hours, like when me and Anthony saw it, he was crying, For he was sobbing for three hours after we saw this movie, and is it's an incredible? Is it debut a debut from Ryan Coogler? Or no, this is his debut. It's an incredible debut. He made it through the Sundance Labs program. That's right. And Michael B. Jordan really shot to start him with this movie. Obviously, he had uh, a young career working on The Wire and in supporting roles in movies, but this one was a big leading role for him, and he's shot to superstardom since. Next up, we have another comic book movie, which is criminally another criminally underrated film, Man of Steel. Zack Snyder's Superman film. It's one of my favorite comic book movies. I think it's really special. There's no other com- no other comic book movies really like it. And I like what he did with the character. I like what he did with the tone, with the filmmaking. It's a very inspiring film. Cavill was absolutely perfect as Kal-El Superman. I love the Krypton sequence. I love Zod as a villain. There's so much that works for this film. The score, like how do you top John Williams? Superman theme, you don't really top it, but you do something that's just as good and, and as just as powerful. And Hans Zimmer came up with something that was really perfect for the film. And I like the mass destruction in the third act. I, I like it. Uh, Amy Adams is great, opposite Henry Cavill. There's so much going for this film. It is a 2.6 on Letterboxd. It does not deserve to be that low. 2.6? It's, it's overly hated. It's a, a 6.7 on IMDb. It's just... It's way... This ratings are way too low. Rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a very good movie. It's one of my favorite comic movies to watch, too. So I really love Man of Steel. Yeah, I mean, Zack Snyder's a very divisive filmmaker, and you either hate or love his movies. It's 7.1 on IMDb. No way, it's under a 7. But still, that's very low for Man of Steel, which we think is exceptional, and I think also was ahead of its time, probably, even though it was just... Back in 2013, it came up. But, man, I adore Man of Steel. I mean, it was one of my favorite early, really, IMAX experiences back in when we saw it in 2013. It was, it was really terrific. And moving on to number 31, another Spielberg movie, believe it or not, Minority Reports. This is an epic crime film about this close future where there's a new branch of police where they are able to see a little bit of the future or crimes that people are about to commit called what's it called the precognition precog is the name of the department where these three beings are able to see crimes of passion that are about to happen in the future and tom cruise leads a branch of police that stops these murders from occurring and because of it violent crimes and murders are now at zero in washington dc and it's a film with great science fiction elements, production design, Spielberg's awesome, great supporting cast, Colin Farrell. We have Max von Sydow in there as well. A great twist. It's an interesting concept of like if you can, if someone hasn't committed the crime, how are they guilty? And also, if you know they're going to commit the crime, shouldn't you stop them? It's a great idea. Philip K. Dick story. It's one of the best science fiction movies of the century, without a doubt. It's incredible. For sure so well directed to do the fucking long takes in this movie are great oh my god <laughs> next up we have an al pacino movie because he's been in so many great movies i think this one gets really for like underlooked and forgotten it's serpico based on a true story um directed by Sidney lamette one of the greatest american directors of all time serpico is a great story about an undercover cop who's struggling within a corrupt system and trying to change the system of the police force in New York City. This all really happened. His story really changed things in terms of uh, creating like the IA, internal affairs, things like that, which didn't exist. It's an incredible cop story. It's a great crime film and it's an all time Al Pacino performance and he really completely transforms into this role. I love Cerbico. Get this to the mayor. Get this to the man. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have another Tom Cruise movie <laughs> and another Michael Mann movie. We have Collateral, <laughs> baby. This is an excellent crime movie. A lot of crime movies on this list. Tom Cruise basically plays a hitman played named Vincent, who is taking Jamie Foxx's character, Cabby, and takes him on as his personal chauffeur for the night while he's carrying out all these hits that are connected to one specific person. His final job of the night. But Jamie Foxx even though he's basically in this kidnapped scenario that he can't escape, tries his best to stop Vincent from carrying out what he is doing for the entire course of the night. It's awesome, fast-paced, ticking clock, really just sets – is set in like a three-hour period, which is really fascinating, an awesome supporting cast. And Vincent is an excellent character from Tom Cruise. He never really does villains that often, but also the character design of having this shortcut gray hair and being – it's just badass. Killer. It's so cool to watch. It's a great film. It's a great LA film. Yeah? Great LA film. Also, Mark Ruffalo early role. That's right. That's the detective. Detective! Detective! <laughs> <laughs> and... Remember who plays the gangster in the club? Oh, um, and, and, and Jamie Foxx has to pretend to be Vincent to fool to get the, uh, the data card? Let me think. It's Javier. That's right, Javier, Javier Bardem. Bardem. Earlier Javier Bardem role in, in Hollywood. He's great. All right, next up, we have The Man from U.N.C.L.E., Guy Ritchie's film, which is an excellent adaptation of the TV show, starring Henry Cavill, Army Hammer, and then Alicia Vikander. Uh, great cast. The supporting cast is awesome as well. Fun score, fun soundtrack. I love espionage movies, and especially when they're done well. This movie is just really entertaining. It's a good time. The action's great. The comedy lands. The style is there. The international cities. It has all the right beats for this kind of film. I'm not sure why it never caught on with audiences. Box office was kind of a failure. They never made sequels even though they wanted to. And then Hammer and Cavill have a lot of chemistry in this film. They work really well as a pair. It's really a shame that we never got another one because they were just getting things started. But I I love this movie. It's really, really well done. has everything you want in a spy movie and an espionage movie. Maybe it's something about the Cold War setting that people really aren't interested in. I don't know. Well, I just think that period pieces nowadays is hard to sell for a huge box office. Anything with a period, I guess. that's a period piece. I guess. And this came out, what, 2014, so the year after Man of Steel, so it's kind of shocking that it wasn't as big as a hit as I thought it was going to be. And Hammer was coming off Social Network, so they were both big stars. Alicia Vikander was a European sensation. Guy so. Ritchie, I love this movie. It's got so much style and so much yeah. class. I, I'll put it on anytime. One of my favorite, like, guilty pleasure watches. I guess not guilty, but just, like, insanely rewatchable. That's the Great part. soundtrack. Great. It's a great, soundtrack great. that got me interested in Motown and Soul yeah it, it yeah you're right uh solomon burke's got a great song in there there's a great soundtrack moving on to number 35 we have quiz show we talked about this like a month ago on the show came out in 1994 that's when we talked about it right? 90, the year of 94 1994, 1994 yeah. directed by robert redford starring um what's his name voldemort uh ray Finds <laughs> and john turturro <laughs> This film's excellent, and it's about corruption in a game show. Ray Fiennes plays a new contestant on this famous quiz show, and he's going up against John Turturro's character, who's the current champion. However, unbeknownst to some of the characters, there is a lot of corruption involved behind the scenes of this famous quiz show. Based on a true story. Yeah, based on a true story, and the curtain's beginning to get unveiled of this corruption involved. Yeah, and, it's, yeah, it's about a man who keeps winning, but he, he's been given the answers by the quiz yeah. show. So it And it originally, is. he was smart enough to become a champion. That's John Turturro's character. However, he's accepted the fact that, I'm going to keep winning, to keep giving me the answers, but Ray Fine's character is an excellent competitor. It's a fantastic film. And Robert Redford, he's only directed a handful of movies, but he's a very capable director. This is his best job as a director, for sure. Really, really well-made movie. It's a very fascinating story, too. Next up, we have a David Fincher film. The Game, starring Michael Douglas. Skip one, but that's okay. I'll do it. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) My bad. Anyways, The Game, starring Mike. I could do, uh, no, I'll do The Game. I figured you want to do Blowout because it's your guy. I'll do Blowout. I mean, I know how you do the game. You love De Palma. Yeah. So just do Blowout. All right, number 36. Forget about the game. We (laughs) we got blowout, baby! (laughs) Look how excited he is. Star Travolta, also a movie poster in my personal bedroom collection. (laughs) It's also on his ceiling. (laughs) Uh, De Palma is just a brilliant director, so artistic. And then this film, it's a really fascinating story about a sound designer and Foley artist who accidentally films and records a murder. And he starts investigating the murder, finding all sorts of nefarious behavior, as well as the assassin serial killer who's um, been hired to cover up the killing, played by John Lithgow, this is a great movie. It's tense, it's taut, it's thrilling, it's mysterious, it's well-photographed, and it's just... just. And if It's a, it's an aspect of, like, it's kind of a movie about filmmaking because it's about a sound designer, and you get to see some great sequences of sound engineering, sound editing, sound mixing, recording. These are things you, you never see in movies, but they're... And it's, film editing, yeah, too. Yeah, in film editing, it's so instrumental, too, the crafting of a movie. And so I love, I love, love, love that they put this as the central figure character. So it's a great film. If you haven't seen Blowout, highly recommend it. Next up, we have The Game from David Fincher, which came out all the way back in 1997. It's making me feel old, starring Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. This is an excellent, underrated Fincher movie. Maybe his most underrated film because he's made so many bangers that everyone talks about but the game just really flies under the radar and it lives in the shadow of his filmography but it's really sensational michael douglas plays this successful banker who's a strange brother played by sean penn shows up with a mysterious gift and basically telling him like you're going to be part of this crazy insanely intense personalized game and so michael douglas his life starts to kind of fall apart and He's being hunted down by people, and these agents and mysteries start to ensue. Or there's gun violence. There's attacks made on his life. And it starts to get to the point is this all part of a game, or is it something bigger? Is the, is the game not really existing and anymore? Did this go wrong? Is yeah. this, Something terrible is happening. Why are people out after me? And I don't want to spoil the ending because it's that good of a twist. But what man. What a good movie, great mystery, great suspense, keeps you on the edge of your seat guessing the reality of what's happening until the last literally three minutes of the movie. And Douglas is fantastic. He is really great. Next up, we have a horror film from Japan called Cure. If you haven't seen it, fucking add it to your watch list right now. I believe it's on Criterion right now or Max Uh, But it's about this mysterious, kind of like, serial killer who isn't really killing people, but somehow is getting people to kill themselves. And it's a very mysterious story about the person trying to figure out what exactly is going on. Um, I don't want to give away too much much information because it is really surprising and uh, we can spoil it easily, but it's really artistic, it's creative, it's shocking, it's grim um but man cure is such a great horror film highly recommend checking it out it's we put it on this list because everybody who has seen it has is, is well received but it just hasn't been seen by many people it doesn't have that many ratings so in that way it's it's underrated for sure absolutely agree couldn't recommend cure enough i'll never look at uh, uh lighter the same way <laughs> <laughs> i know right i just can't get that lighter <laughs> you're screwed you're screwed if that lights <laughs> moving on did you see the, uh, the the list update for you on your computer i did so you see 39 and 40 silence oh yeah okay so i'll do 39 it. so 39 we have cinderella man which anthony talked about on Netherbox recap like a week ago oh, yeah and for boxing movies anthony said it was top five top of all five. time top five. I, i'll have to agree with them but it's, it's an excellent film starring russell crowe who directed it Ron Howard, baby. Ronnie, Ronnie Howard directed Cinderella, man. <laughs> and it's about this guy who can't find a job in the early 20th century, right? The 19- During the Great Depression, 1920s. The 20s. And he was, a, he was a former champion, former, former boxing fell, champion. Yeah, but he uh, hurt his arm and then he fell into poverty with his family. And basically he's fighting to make money for the family and growing up, growing up in this very poor world and community in America and just fighting his way to the top and it's sensational great boxing sequences the choreography is there very authentic and Russell Crowe is sensational i mean as always the peak of his the 2000s russell Crowe, man he was Not, the late 90s early 2000s yeah biggest star in the world probably after winning that oscar in 2000 for gladiator this came out in 2008 2005 2005 wow man what a star this guy was still is but man he was peak in the 2000s oh yeah big time it's a true story as well the man who was on the breadline one year, and then he came up and rose up to become boxing champion of the world the next year. It's, it's amazing, incredible. Amazing stuff. All right, next up, we have March Scorsese's Silence, which is so underappreciated. I believe it's only a 7.3 on IMDb. I think it's one of his best films. It's one of the greatest films about religion and spirituality. It's about um, two priests, two Jesuit priests, who go seeking their mentor in feudal Japan— when christianity has been outlawed and it's a sensational intensely dramatic powerful film about religion about questioning faith about defining what faith is and about perseverance and holding on to your faith even if if, even if it means your death it's a very challenging film it's a very important film i think for even if you're not a religious person i i get a lot out of this movie just from watching it so If you haven't seen Silence, it's probably Martin Scorsese's most underrated movie. Next up, we have another horror film with creatures from underneath the water. We have (laughs) Crawl that features gigantic alligators. Now, Crawl is about this girl who lives in Florida and a hurricane hits and basically the levee breaks and the entire community floods. With a ton of water, enough for crocodiles to come into the community, and she's also a great athlete and a swimmer. We yeah, she's a, she's a college swimmer. She's yeah, she's a swimmer, and her father's her coach, and obviously her only, her surviving parents, and he's missing. So instead of ordering evacuation orders, she goes on a little quest, a side quest, to go find her father. <laughs> Someone's been gaming. <laughs> <laughs> to go just find her father who's missing during this hurricane, while also avoiding and combating alligators that have taken over. This is, I think, the best monster movie made the last several years. That's a good point, yeah. It's yeah. such a good monster movie, and it's, it's it's just perfectly done. I think it's it did pretty good at the box office, nothing special. 90 but, mil. Yeah, yeah, this is very good. Um, it just hasn't it just wasn't like really talked about since and I think it really is. It's a perfect movie for what it is You know, it's not trying to be anything else. It's it's very simple It's very nitty-gritty bare-bones kind of story, but man they pull it off. It's full of scares great CGI The crocodiles look great or alligators and, and as well as practical effects as well. There's some really intense scenes um, you, the characters are put in crazy situations and man, it's one of those it's really one of those edge of your seat movies. It's I think in my opinion, it's one of the scariest movies made in the last 10 years. When I saw this movie, it's it was like getting me. I was like, "Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit." It was fucking sensational. It's awesome. You recommended to me like you do like dude, watch Crawl. I'm like, a movie about alligators? You like trust me. <laughs> trust me. I know it sounds silly, but it, it works. It's awesome. It really does work. Next up, we have your turn. You're next. An Alexander Payne movie. (laughs) Election. Now, this is Reese Witherspoon's big breakout movie, and it also stars Matthew Broderick. So it's about Matthew Broderick is a teacher at a school who kind of hates his job, hates his life, and there's a new student election coming up, and his least favorite student, uh, Reese Witherspoon, is running for president. So he's made it his personal mission to stop her from winning (laughs) the election. And it it seems innocent, but it gets very dark. It's, It's a great dark comedy. I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, Alexander Payne has made some really great films, most notably The Holdovers this year. Awesome Christmas movie. However, I think Election is his best movie. Wow. It's a great movie, and Reese Witherspoon's phenomenal. Yeah, she's awesome as, like, basically that teacher's pet kind of character. The most annoying student yeah. <laughs> imaginable. Yeah. She's great. Like Like when she makes the cookies. And- <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have our first and only Christopher Nolan movie on this list. Surprisingly, there is. And we believe because this film is insanely divisive. Yeah. Tenant, We love Tenet. And I think it's a misunderstood film that will people will grow to appreciate over the years for specifically the haters. A lot of y'all listening love Tenet. A lot of y'all maybe put it mid in terms of your list of ranking Tenet, uh, Christopher Nolan's movies, but I've seen a lot of hate for this movie. And I think people just don't quite understand exactly all the concepts in it if they don't they should watch our episode yeah we did a great (laughs) episode breaking down everything about it we explained temporal pincers everything and what i why i think it's so underrated why we think it's so underrated is because no one's making movies anything close to this large scale with the intense concepts of time reality and just challenging an audience in really interesting ways and it would have been a huge hit obviously if it didn't come out during lockdowns which it did still somehow grossed over 300 million dollars at the box office but remember Warner Brothers was going to do a theatrical and digital release with this film which really irked Christopher Nolan as well as a lot of their other projects and so he left to make Oppenheimer with Universal we'll see if he comes back to Warner Brothers maybe I doubt it but This is the movie that caused that rift between him and Warner Brothers because they wanted to release it digitally. And Christopher Nolan's like, there's no goddamn way you're going to release this online. You're putting it in theaters. I don't care if seven theaters on the planet are releasing it. We drove to San Diego to see this movie. And it was an awesome theater experience. But I think the ideas are there where it's one of his most bold films. And that's saying a lot when you look at his filmography with movies like Inception, Interstellar, and obviously most recently Oppenheimer. But this is his most, I think... It's one of the most out there with the ideas he's playing with inception you're dealing with great ideas of a different reality inside dreams now we're exploring the idea of time in a different way where time is a path that you can travel forwards or backwards through not really time traveling to different points but going reversed in time reverting or inverting and it's a challenging movie. The scope is massive. The, the set pieces are grand, as usual with a Christopher Nolan film and a budget this high. And the cast is awesome, but I love Tenet, and I think it gets better with every re- rewatch, and especially when you really understand everything that's going on. When you understand the concepts, you understand the realities, you understand that Neil can be in several different places at once in this movie. It's, it's really cool when you get all the concepts and you land them. And yeah. Nolan does a he does a great job. Or his, his best job is explaining at explaining the rules of his movies pretty early in the film in the first act, which he does in this. But I think he just he doesn't want to hold your hand. He wants to challenge you as an audience to make you understand the film, which I, I really like and appreciate. Well said. Thanks, dude. I don't really have anything else to add to that. <laughs> banging score though. Bang <laughs> Ludwig, man. Banging score. Still listen to I listened to the the gym the other day. Posterity. Freeport, man. baby. Posterity's great. Next up, we have under the Skin, from Jonathan Glazer, starring Scarlett Johansson, this is a 6.3 on IMDb. Can you believe that? 6.3? 6.3. Now, this is a movie people don't get. This is probably the most underrated movie on the list, now that I think about it. It could this be. This is a 6.3. Now, this movie, I understand why audience, mainstream general audiences don't like it, because it is so unique and so out there. Scarlett Johansson plays an alien who is blending in with with humans to capture men to (laughs) i actually don't want to spoil it i don't want to spoil it it's crazy you've never seen a science fiction film like this it's great sci-fi horror which is a complicated genre that Really, it's kind of rare nowadays. It's well, hard to pull off. It used to be, but A24 produced this film, distributed it, and so they've really kind of made their yes. butter with that yeah. kind of genre. Yeah, bread and butter with that. Yeah, They, eat they that made butter their up. butter. <laughs> <laughs> I got what you're saying, man. James and Cra- James You know, when you talk for phrase, two hours straight, some things come out that don't always line up made well their with- their Inside your brain. <laughs> but Under the Skin is incredible. Scarlett Johansson is phenomenal in the film. It's one of the most shocking movies I've ever seen. It also contains- one of the most disturbing things i've ever seen on screen before you know what i'm talking about if you watch this movie you know what i mean it's there's nothing like it it was so unique so original so brilliant in its concept uh, really amazing film by glazer love me a good alien movie bro oh yeah next up we have oh we have brick oh yeah what a great pick this is ryan johnson's debut yep. starring ryan i mean joseph gordon levitt and they eventually collaborated several times I believe JGL's in every single one of his movies, even if it's just a voice role. Yes. Even in Glass Onion, he's actually... He makes the noise of the alarm sound on the island. Yeah. So he technically has a cameo in that as well. So He has a voice role in Last Jedi, too. Yeah. JGL plays this high school student whose girlfriend's body gets found dead after he receives a frantic phone call from her. And his basically path right now, and his goal is to discover what happened to her by investigating and infiltrating the high school clicks that he's been avoiding and basically it's really interesting to see an investigation film from the perspective of just high school students and discovering the truth behind this mystery as well some it has some great filmmaking style and elements that ryan johnson's been putting in all of his film, films obviously but i think in brick he did a lot of cool things with sort of graphics on screen that I really haven't seen him do since in a lot of ways. Like he does sometimes text on screen in interesting ways in Brick. But it's an awesome mystery. Great in- investigation It's, it's film. like a modern noir, too. Yeah. It's fun. It's really cool. It's a cool tone. It's very unique. It has like the noir tone of like a, a detective noir movie from the 50s. Which is a high school student. Yeah, it's great. Next up, we have The Grey from Joe, Joe Carnahan. Which I actually just watched with mom a couple weeks ago, and she loved it. Yeah, we talked about it on Letterboxd Recap. So we- so one night we watched the Truman Show and she fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck, she didn't like it. I was like, did you like it? She was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was, that was good. And then the next night we watched The Grey, and it ended, and she was like, oh my god, that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> the Grey is that good. It's visceral, it's gritty, it's raw, it's awesome, it's violent, it's gory. It's scary, just like Crawl. It's a good monster movie in terms of the wolves being the monsters. I love the film. Great stakes. Uh, awesome filmmaking for what it is. And Liam Neeson really commands the screen like he often does. Great cast, too. The supporting actors are fantastic. And I really like The Gray. It's a fucking solid action movie. Like, it just works on every level. It really shows the revelation of the food chain once humans are out in the wild, away yeah. from protection, shelter, and weaponry, and how they are just immediately prey. And it's very similar trajectory of sort of a Jaws-like structure, sure. as well as, we talked about this with the movie 65, how 65, all they gotta do is just follow the Greys beat for beat, gray. just crash land with a group of survivors instead of just two, and you got a perfect movie. The Greys awesome. And a terrific ending. And I had no idea there's actually a post credit scene that shows what happened between Liam Neeson and The Final Wolf. And it's they pretty good. They're friends. <laughs> <laughs> <He just> <laughs> <laughs> they run the Iditarod together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. And next up at number 47, we have a Ridley Scott film, the first in the list, I believe. Yes. We believe his most underrated film, which is pretty recent as well. The Last Duel. We've talked about it on the show multiple times. We did an episode on it last year two years ago when it came out, starring Matt Damon, Adam Driver, and Jodie Comer. This is a sensational film, directed and acted from a terrific script, written by Ben, Matt, as well as... I always forget her name. Set yourself up, man. I know, I did. (laughs) I was like, I'll remember it as I'm saying it. What's her name? I can can Google it. Yeah, Google it. Crap it, crap, crap. From the perspective of three different characters, in a way, it's a triptych story where we have kind of three acts that blend together to a finale. But each act—Nicole Holofcener, Center. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Nicole Holofcener—wrote this film, and each act basically is a perspective of a different character. Whether we have John De we have Jodie Comer's character, as well as Adam Driver's character. All each version of the story is told from their perspective until we get the truth, which is Jodie Comer's character's story in the third act. But each character's perspective shifts the actions of the characters, shifts the dialogue as well as the perspective of what they perceive to be reality and truth until we finally learn the real reality of what happened in the third act. And it's excellent, excellent acting, writing, production, design, and some intense action sequences of brutal gore. It's also very funny. It is. And the trailer marketing was so misleading because it didn't show any of the humor. Yeah, this movie's it can be laugh out loud, especially with Ben Affleck's character. All right, next up we have a Ben Stiller movie, <laughs> <laughs> The Cable Guy, starring Jim Carrey. What a pick! I think it's one of the just like the most unappreciated comedies of all time. Yeah, Jim Carrey's performance is one of his best. It really is. He's just fucking doing it. He's <laughs> like got that lisp. He's like hilarious. Yeah, he had the lisp. And, oh my! It's about this man who. He's a kind of a passive guy, played by Ben Stiller, who, you know, inadvertently un- kind of reluctantly befriends his cable guy, Matthew Broderick. Sorry, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick, Math- not bath- Broderick. <laughs> Matthew Broderick. <laughs> like, Matthew. I just love Ben so much. Ben directed it. Yeah. Um, and then he begins learning that this cable guy is fucking psycho, <laughs> and he begins trying to control and destroy his life in various ways. It is so good. It's unpredictable. It's wild. It's out there. It's so weird, too. It's the one of the weirdest movies ever made, but in a good way. And I just, I think the cable guy is so fucking special. In a way, the cable guy is basically trying to replace him in his life. He's trying to take his yeah, life from he's him. Trying oh, he's trying to take his family away. He's trying to his try take from- his girl. It's, it's pretty ridiculous, but it's very funny. Yeah. It is, but the stakes get intense. It gets kind of scary yeah. at times, but it's hysterical. It really is. For Jim Carrey. There's a bunch of tones in it. The yeah. genre is all over the place. I like it a lot. Yeah. I like it a lot. Remember what cable was like back in the day, though? Like, you had a cable guy come to your house, and having a cable guy come over was pretty common. Yeah. Like, at least a few times a year. Sometimes you have to have, like, Spectrum or Verizon come to fix your router, but that's it. (laughs) You just have a modem. Moving on to number 49, we have another Joseph Gordon Levitt film called The Lookout. This came out before 500 Days of Summer, I believe. Yeah, I think it was 2007. He's still very young and. He plays this character who was once a hockey star in high school. And then him and his buddies go out. Are they drunk driving or just driving recklessly? It was uh, 2007. Yeah, I was a drunk driving, and he was. Um, and they get in a car crash, and he gets a traumatic brain injury, a TBI. And he's never the same, and he can't really function f- completely in society without the help of basically sort of like a mentor kind of character played by Jeff Daniels, who's also whose character is also blind in the film, so they kind of help each other in their lives, and they have a relationship where they're you know they want to start a, a diner together, they have a great menu because they're sick of all he's sick of all the food they eat at the diner they go to, and then Joseph Gordon Levitt who works at, janitorially at a bank is approached by a former friend of his or friend of a friend. He went to school. With yeah, him. yeah. Who wants to rob the bank and basically asks Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character to be the lookout during the robbery. Yeah, but things go wrong. And it's a really interesting performance from Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's something that really put him on my radar. Because like 2007 was a long time ago. It was, it was a big leading role for him in Hollywood. Because then he did 500, then he did Inception. But The Lookout was really instrumental to his career going forward as a I have man. the money, I have the power. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And um, Jeff Daniels has a great supporting role in it too, as his blind roommate. Yeah, that's what I said I earlier. Oh, did you? <laughs> so I was looking up the, uh, the date. <laughs> He's like looking up Postmates. <laughs> While I'm talking. <laughs> I'm, it's Cyber Monday, bro. I'm looking up deals. <laughs> Banana Republic, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you haven't seen The Lookout... Great movie. Matthew Goode is so good in this movie. Yeah. It's, he's sensational in the film as the villain. And obviously, he, it, and he's also Ozymandias in Watchmen. Yeah. And Isla Fisher is great as well. Yeah. Early role for her. But, like, the cast is great. All these young uh, stars in an early role. A lot of young, hot stars in this movie. So they are all very hot. Next up is number 50 on our list. The final one. The final, final movie of our most underrated films of all time. The Proposition from director John Hillcoat. It's a great Australian western starring the great Guy Pearce and Danny Houston as the antagonist and Ray Winstone as another antagonist That's in the right, film. Yeah. Really tough, harsh, gritty movie. Excellent violence, really cool story. Uh, Emily Mortimer, no, Emily, yeah, Emily Mortimer. No, no, Emily Watson in an early role for her as well as uh, Ray Winstone's wife it's a really great Western it's fantastic Um, excellent poster John Hillcoat proved himself as a really good up-and-coming director at this time and then he made three more really great films after this but the proposition put him on the map it's an awesome awesome dark Western and that wraps our 50 most underrated films of all time I'm sure your lists will look completely different maybe some of the same some of the not. But we had a great time putting this list together. Let us know which of these movies you haven't seen, which you have seen, what you think the most underrated film is of all time. Send us Leave a comment on YouTube. Add a comment on Spotify on the polls that we're going to put up. The oh, prompts. Yeah. Send us a DM. But really appreciate you listening to this episode and hope you enjoyed break, us breaking down underrated movies. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of Lost podcast to get the ad-free version of this episode, even though you've listened to the whole thing, probably. <laughs> but future episodes and past episodes will all be ad-free on Patreon for the minimum tier of $5. Leave those five-star reviews on Spotify and Apple. And don't forget to share with your family and friends. Take care, everybody. See you next time. This episode was executive produced by our Chosen One patrons, Cody Mowen, Andrew Hagan, Becca Keen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy Griggs, Nicholas Martin, Darian Singleton, Tyler McFly, Andrew Hagen. Our Chosen One patrons are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.